I'm Robin. And I'm Wayne. We're investors at VMG Partners, and we help build iconic consumer brands. Every day, some of the world's most fascinating founders share their stories with us before they've made it. Their highs and lows. Mistakes and triumphs. But always extraordinary results. And now we're sharing these stories with you. This is Unfinished Biz. I went to purchase formula and I found myself standing in the middle aisle of a pharmacy choosing a long shelf life product between cat food and diapers and it just felt horrible. On this episode of Unfinished Biz, Bobby co-founder and CEO Laura Modi tells us about her whirlwind career that started in big tech, pivoted to startup tech and settled on something completely different. Baby formula made without corn or soy. Bobby's only sugar source is lactose, positioning it a lot closer to nature than many other similarly marketed brands. But as Laura's learned along the way, running a heavily regulated food company is full of twists, turns, and surprises. My co-founder comes up to me and taps me on the shoulder. and She has this look of horror on her face. She's holding the phone to her ear and she goes, Laura, the FDA are at the warehouse. Find out how Laura's own struggles as a new parent propelled her to disrupt what she saw as a subpar market and what Bobby's doing to set itself apart in an increasingly competitive space. Unfinished Biz starts now. You know, Wayne, when you think about the baby formula category, it is a very dusty category. There's been very little innovation, and it hasn't really had many of the tailwinds that we see in other categories. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty surprising. I mean, we've seen it in in the baby pouch category with mm-hmm. Plum and Happy or, right. or Baby Gannics with us. Yeah, and, you know, when you stop to think, though, you start to realize the reason why is because there's just so much regulation. Regulation. <laughs> and to the point where you, when you think about the space, it's almost everything has to be almost pharma level uh, in order for you to be able to sell product because as we always talk about the two areas where you can't mess up are babies and pets so what laura's taking on is a big big challenge and as you'll hear laura's background's actually in tech but like many of our founders on the show and who we've partnered with at vmg the company was actually started because of a personal experience or need and we learn more about that story at our vmg offices in san francisco Well, I'm originally from Ireland. I grew up in a small uh, little town in the west of Ireland and, I mean, essentially started at our dinner table. I come from a pretty big entrepreneurial family, largest manufacturing of protective clothing, really unsexy. Protective clothing? What does that that mean? Hard hats, lab coats. Uh And, uh, you know, I think it's always been a conversation around what does it mean to be an entrepreneur, to run your own business. You kind of watch it from the ground up as a young child. And, uh, I mean, that's where, that's where it began. And I moved out here to the States about 12 years ago, uh, not thinking I would actually stay here. I came out with the, the dream of buying a convertible, going down the 101 oh, nice. and, uh, essentially moving back after about a year. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen. Did you buy a convertible? <laughs> I did. <laughs> it was, I think it might have been the first true. thing yeah. I did yeah. uh, when I got here. Uh, but I, uh, forgot how pale I was. So, uh, yeah, it, it didn't last very long. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a classic, um, uh, Mustang McLaren. Oh, nice. Mm. Yeah. It uh, didn't last very long. Classic or a newer one? Uh, very old. Yeah. Uh, broke down way too often. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but no, I've now upgraded to a, a fairly standard sedan with two car seats. So, oh, perfect. yeah, <laughs> the proper roof. Sense. Oh, yeah, That's proper right. roof. Yeah. That's right. Um, so, yeah. You moved here. You intended to move back. How did owning a convertible turn into entrepreneurship? Yeah, great question. Um, so, you know, I, I came out here, decided to get uh, my legs into the tech space. Um, the, the recession hit in 08 and it was an opportunity to get out here, try something different, essentially bring back some technical experience back home. Uh, started some time at Google uh, and while I loved it there, I was looking for a smaller company and stumbled upon Airbnb at the time. Uh, very small company. Uh, they were still trying to figure out what they were doing. I joined in 2011 as one of their first operators and it sucked me in. I loved every part about it, uh, coming in to do everything from customer service to grow the international offices, uh, figure out what it meant for us to scale our host quality. And that adrenaline rush, watching a company (laughs) go from, you know, what the hell is this? Uh, Mm -hmm. Why does this company exist to everyone knowing about it? Um, I'll never forget uh, calling home and telling my dad, I'm leaving Google to join Airbnb. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you hear this long silence on the phone and he's like, Laura, I know you're Irish, but really starting a B&B, just (laughs) crazy. Um, That's funny. And it took a good year for them to realize it was a good bet. but yeah, I, again, didn't expect I would be there uh, for too long. But after six years, I had the experience and confidence to go out and do something on my own. What roles did you take on there? Mostly operational. Uh, I was uh, uh, the director of hospitality, leading our host quality for our two million hosts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, also, you know, coming from that that background in, in operations, it was very inspiring to me to see a new way of, of looking at product, mm-hmm. essentially. Uh, Airbnb's product was hosts. It was people. Right. right. And, uh, you know, we, it, most people looked at it as a tech company. Mm-hmm. But I saw it as a, a company of people. Mm-hmm. And what does it mean to grow the quality, the product of people, was essentially the focus. And uh, I did that growing our team of communication experts, our community team, and our host quality group. What was the most difficult part of scaling this dynamic of all these hosts? I mean, I can only imagine. Well, every host is different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no such thing as a standardized system. Uh, a lot of it comes down to, uh, I would actually use the parallel for like a HR team. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to be able to manage all of your employees? Every employee is different. What does it mean to equip them, hold them accountable, and to appreciate them for their success is a very different program than writing the rules for some back-end right. mm-hmm. engineering tool. Yeah. Uh, we spent a lot of time writing the rules for engagement, the rules for recognition, mm-hmm. growth. Uh, we saw hosts as taking on this opportunity to establish who they were, was their mm-hmm. identity. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had to put on the hat of if we were the HR team for a large group of hosts, how would that look? Mm-hmm. Right. And what was what was one of the key things? Would you, you said rewards and incentives. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I'd imagine what was, was there one particular thing that you found was a silver bullet in managing all of that well? Uh, 
the recognition piece is really important. Recognizing someone's um, everyday average job is so important. When you are doing something day in and Mm -hmm. day out and you don't have someone call you out for it and to recognize you for that job, it can be very deflating. Mm -hmm. And when you think about it, these hosts are turning over bedsheets. They're preparing their home. Mm -hmm. They are cleaning up after people. They are showing every ounce of hospitality they have in them. And for the company who's given them that platform to every so often turn to them during a big milestone. You know, you've reached 10, 10 guests, right. you've reached 100 guests, mm-hmm. you've gotten your eighth, fifth star review. Mm-hmm. Uh, that recognition uh, really shone and it showed that it drove higher quality than enforcing. Uh, you know, you talk about the star or the carrot and the stick. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the carrot. I mean, the carrot wins. Mm-hmm. What led you want to want to leave Airbnb? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot for a moment what we were talking right. about. Um, so, I joined a company with a lot of uh, young, energetic people who were focused on travel. Uh, you come into a company where you know you're working on something that you're very passionate about, and then something changes in your life. Mm-hmm. For me, that was having my first kid. I was one of the earliest people to have a child in the company. Uh, so at the same time, you're you're managing your own identity yeah. and becoming a parent, but you're managing your identity going back to work. Right. Uh, because most people around you don't have children yet. Mm-hmm. So I I had my daughter and, you know, everything changed. Uh, all of a sudden you wake up and everything that was important to focus on, to drive, is now shifted towards right. your child's future. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the world going to look like when she is older? How do I play a role in bettering what she's going to be given and how she's going to live? And one of the first experiences I was confronted with was the challenge of breastfeeding. On two two sides, uh, it was the first one was just I struggled to produce enough supply. I went in as this Irish Catholic woman going, oh, breastfeeding's going to be easy, natural, <laughs> it's going to be the most beautiful thing mm-hmm. I've ever experienced. Uh, you know, my, my grandmother had 13 children. <laughs> I, I want to say she, she breastfed for 14 years in yeah, total. Geez. And, uh, you know, you just assume it's in mm-hmm. the blood. I've got this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was, it was very deflating. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't produce enough and I found myself having to buy formula. Mm-hmm. Never considered formula. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't like the idea that I would have to do something other than what was told to me by everyone, by society. This is the best way to feed your child. Mm-hmm. So, I went to purchase formula and I found myself standing in the middle aisle of a pharmacy choosing a long shelf life product between cat food and diapers. Mm -hmm. And it just felt horrible. Also, I was, you know, in a postpartum (laughs) stage smelling of like who knows what. I just, the emotions, I was vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I was exhausted. There was the cat food that you were stuck smelling in the the aisle next to the the formula. That's very nice of you. It probably took over anyway. That's right. Um, So I I was shocked when I had to buy this product. Uh, I couldn't articulate half the ingredients on it. And the ingredients I could articulate I didn't like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I would have considered myself a fairly layman foodie, mm-hmm. uh, 
Yet, I wouldn't be consuming a lot of corn syrup. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there was other controversial ingredients that you continue to see, like soy and certain starches. And I, I knew my eating habits have evolved enough for me now to question these with right. confidence that this isn't what I wanted to feed my daughter. Yeah. And were there, were there people or other resources that you could go to to actually go and learn a little bit more about... How the phase that you're going through, the, the, you know, the, the products that you were looking at, like, how did you, how did you go about that? Yeah. To start. And as I reflect back, I'm almost embarrassed saying this, but I was too embarrassed to mm -hmm. ask for help. Mm -hmm. You think about any stigmatized product out mm -hmm. there that's, you know, has kind of that taboo name on it. Mm -hmm. You don't want to turn for help. Right. So, uh, you find yourself, quietly Googling at three in the morning, you know, in the deep web, trying right. to find someone mm -hmm. to say, it's okay to give your child formula. Mm -hmm. And then once you've gotten over the, the hump that, okay, I'm not the only one, there's other people who do this, then you search for what are the right products right. out there. And my God, did I quickly realize that most things on the U.S. shelves, people were just not turning to. Mm -hmm. And the moms I could relate to had all turned to what I can only describe as the most obvious black market of our generation. <laughs> How do you, you know anything about that, Rob? Yeah, no, I, I, I don't know if I should be admitting this on a podcast, but yes, I do partake in this black market for my that. son. He has what, a six-month-old. Six five five, five and, and change at this point. Oh, yeah. you are in it. I know. I know it's, and, and, and you know that you're in the black oh, market yeah. because the websites kind of look black markety, you oh, know yeah. what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. in the sense that it's like, it's the same listing 15 times over in various languages. This does not look no. very, I don't know, Official. respectable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyways. Yeah. Oh, I love that you just admitted Ugh. that. Yeah. And I mean, there, there's an element too of even finding the black market gives yeah. you the thrill. Yeah, it gives you the sense of okay, I may not be able to to exclusively breastfeed, but at least I know there is this other option, and mm -hmm. I will go to all lengths to make this happen. And you start realizing it's crazy when you know you're receiving text messages from a random broker saying you're out of stock. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. What of my baby food? Yeah. <laughs> this seems crazy. Mm -hmm. Um. So uh, that was like one of the biggest reasons, yeah. just realizing this market exists and I don't like what I'm seeing. But I, I will say, if that was the only reason, I don't know if I'd fully be doing this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One of the, the big vision is um, essentially changing the conversation. Mm -hmm. It was very hard to be a confident woman here in the Bay Area who saw her career as you know, it was part of my identity. Mm -hmm. And to be told that to be a good mom, to be the best mom, you should breastfeed exclusively for six months. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you should also go back to work and, <laughs> you know, climb the ladder and be the right. best as, right. you know, anyone else out there. And you should try and do both. And I love data. And I'm sitting there watching how long breastfeeding was taking. And, you know, you're talking 30, 35 hours a week. And then I'm looking at the hours I need to work. And I'm quite, when am I sleeping? And when am I doing anything <laughs> yeah. else? How, how does this happen? Especially if you're one of the first people in your organization to go through it. Oftentimes, 
they're not they don't have the actual facilities to do any of this. It's no. like or the empathy. Yeah, it's like, oh, do you want to come into this clear conference room? Like, not not so much, probably. Absolutely. No, I mean it was ex- it was exactly that, and you go through it and I, I do believe you know kind of the equation for innovation overall is you're you're faced with a problem mm-hmm. that you you really feel you want to change you know there's an opportunity plus you have the confidence and the skill set and the ability to change it and i was questioned a lot at the start of this which is look you come from tech you're an operator, you're a businesswoman, how does that translate to starting a formula company? Mm -hmm. And I don't think I've ever felt so confident (laughs) being able to do something as I have now. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the other job that I have zero experience in or, you know, any form of background or training, uh, I certainly can't quit and, you know, I have to keep someone alive is being a parent. Mm-hmm. And I, I completely relate that with this particular job in running this company, which is if you wholeheartedly believe you have the confidence and ability to make it happen, plus you feel the pain, you mm-hmm. know what it means, you will be able to change it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's what's given us enough confidence to break into what is seen as a very traditional industry of steadfast players. I mean, in the U.S., 90% of the U.S. market of formula is three players. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Mm-hmm. And uh, right. hence why you see, you know, very few differences between what's sitting on the shelves. So how did you get it off the ground? Well, how, how did you go from looking up black market formula, <laughs> formula. sites yeah. uh, and, uh, and a passion for solving? Like, how did you... How did you turn that into a solution? Uh, started with convincing my husband it was a good move. Mm-hmm. Um, you definitely need the support uh, to to obviously launch any company, but especially when you have a two-year-old. <laughs> and I also decided to do it when I found out I was two weeks pregnant with our second. Mm-hmm. So I needed you know, that support. And it was amazing to have. Good timing. You're like, I, I don't want to go... <laughs> To these same sites again. Like, <laughs> right. I mean, it's true. There, there's nothing more motivating than realizing I have nine months to get this done. That's right. right. And I'm going to solve this for myself. Happen. Right. Yeah. Um, however, that was very unrealistic expectation. <laughs> Coming from tech, you're mm-hmm. like, three months, I'll have this done. We'll start making money. Right. Not the case. Uh, definitely going from tech into CPG is is a completely new ball game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also very different to go from CPG into a very regulated right, product, that's right. mm-hmm. such as formula. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is not your typical pantry product. Mm-hmm. It requires a lot more upfront capital, a lot more time, and you know, believe you me, there will be way more eyes on you than if you decided to, you know roll out a soft drink or mm-hmm. a granola bar. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I knew that. Mm-hmm. I knew that this was going to be a journey and it was going to be hard. So one of the first things we did was bring on a regulator. Mm-hmm. Help us navigate first, why is no one else doing this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, formula is not going anywhere. 83% of moms require formula. So why aren't we seeing more options? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get schooled pretty quickly, which is, look, 
you are about to enter a world where regulation and innovation need to live in harmony. Mm -hmm. And in many other worlds, you might be able to say you can disrupt this. But you actually have to find a way when you're launching formula to not just disrupt it, but bring regulators on board and along on Mm -hmm. this journey. Um, We've already had some missteps Mm -hmm. on this journey. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think as we now navigate into the future of uh, what does phase two look like, we're going to triple down on our regulation, our mm-hmm. compliance, our legal due diligence. As we've said to, to investors, as a startup, especially in this space, there's certain areas where you can continue operating like a startup. Mm-hmm. And then there's other areas where you have to start wearing the big boy hat. Right. And you now need to start looking at your plans, your approach, your communication, not as a startup, but as a big company, mm-hmm. because you are playing in the same field as these major conglomerates. Mm-hmm. And in a regulated, safe place like Formula, it is imperative. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned, I mean, some of the challenges. What What's come up? I mean, yeah. you know, what, what are some of the specifics where formulation, innovation, and regulation didn't align? Well, at two weeks into launching the company, we're on a high. We've had... a Way more people join our wait list outside of San Francisco than we expected. Mm -hmm. And the community is reacting to our fresh message. And my co-founder comes up to me and taps me on the shoulder. And she has this kind of look of horror on her face. (laughs) She's holding the phone to her ear and she goes, Laura, the FDA are at the warehouse. I was like, okay, okay, here we go. And both of us, she's she's an absolute gem. We worked together at Airbnb for years. We both immediately, whenever there's a moment of, okay, what does this mean? Or there's a crisis, and we, like, we, we thrive in a crisis, we immediately go into ultimate calm. Mm-hmm. And we put on our calm hats and we make our way to the warehouse and the FDA are there. And the FDA show up to most food places. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they come visit, they yeah. do their safety checks. Uh, but they rarely do it two weeks into launching a company (laughs) when you're in one market with few customers. So, you know, a little perplexed about this trip, we uh, show up to the warehouse and they were there. It seemed like a usual visit, but uh, they also had our press articles printed out. And the press articles for our launch had indicated that we are an infant formula all over these articles. Mm -hmm. So to rewind on what our approach has been to enter the market is that phase one is that we approach this with bringing a proven European recipe combined with quality ingredients to the US. But the US regulations and the European regulations are not the same. Mm -hmm. So when you enter the market in the U.S. with a product that is not following the regulations here, you have to position yourself as something different. Mm -hmm. So we positioned ourselves as basically a supplement to Mm -hmm. complement your breast milk. And we were patting ourselves on the back. You know, this was... We, we were looking at this going, we really do believe in breastfeeding mm-hmm. and we really want to be able to support parents with an alternative way to support them on this long 35-hour journey. Um, 
the product was high quality. We did all of our safety check yeah. marks. And they're looking at this going, no, it's black or white. You're either an infant formula or you're not. So it's either you're, you're a substitute, not a complement, is that's, kind of what they're saying. That's exactly it. Yeah. So we're looking at this going, okay, this was our first moment realizing, first moment two weeks into launch, um, realizing, okay, this is our first moment to start working with the regulators mm-hmm. and figure out you have to understand our long-term intention. And how do we start working towards that together by doing some marketing corrections and mm-hmm. making sure those marketing corrections are in line with U.S. regulations? I mean, that, that was a huge shock to the system. Mm-hmm. Uh, but going back to the black market, it was surprising when we were telling our, our parents about this or our community where most of them were like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. you're a European formula <laughs> and, you know, that's going to be the case. Yeah. Um, saying that, though... Whenever there's a black market, and hence why we exist, we want to be able to figure out how we are here compliantly. Right. So, you know, there's been many case studies, and we've had many people on one corner of of this uh, ring saying, ah, you need to approach this in a disruptive way, and you need to be able to take on regulation, you know, head on. Mm. However, you know, for us to truly come out with a product that is trusted... For us to work not just with the FDA, but partner alongside them to evolve what this might mean is way more important for the long-term success of this company. And you're going to get that. I mean, you're going to help so many more parents by by doing it compliantly, as you mentioned. That's right. Mm -hmm. As Um, opposed to defiantly. Exactly. And, you know, you have moments, you wake up and you're like, that's it. I want to be defiant. For sure. But what's the point? But you're not actually solving what your, what your intention is. You're not, you know, I, a part of going into this journey too, is a sense of responsibility as both a mom and the CEO of this company to say, our job is not just to evolve the conversation of what's happening. It's to evolve the way it works, the operations, the rules, and, you know, realizing that even though we talk about regulators, whether it's the FDA or the FTC or, or, you know, big pharma and big companies, they're also humans Mm -hmm. running their side of the business with Mm -hmm. certain rules and they want to see evolution too. Mm -hmm. So what does it mean for companies and these folks to come and do this together? So So what'd you change from there? uh, We now have to market it to 12 months plus babies. As a start, yeah, yep. um, you see it's you know pretty popular. You see them on the market a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so having my two children, I've now turned from one child to the next. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, Colin, not for you anymore. It's right. for Mary. Right. Right. Um, but, you know, it's a start. And I think one of the, the larger challenges in, in any of this is you have a vision for the company. Mm-hmm. And you want to talk about that vision. You want to talk about evolving the conversation. Yep. But how do you do that without it conflating what the product actually is that you are currently starting with is one of the biggest challenges. Mm -hmm. So we want to talk about our vision, but not create any missteps or misleading customers to believe that that's how it's suitable today, Mm -hmm. even though that's where we want to get to in the future. So how do you reconcile those two? Um, we've gotten a bit of coaching on De- this. Delicately. <laughs> very, very delicately. In, I mean, in, you're probably in, watching in, my reaction in, right now. I'm like, inference. Be careful. It's like, yeah. A little bit. You yeah. know, you, 
again, it is it is the responsibility to evolve everything as a CEO, but it's also responsibility to not mislead a customer given whatever situation you're currently in, regardless of how safe it is or regardless mm-hmm. of maybe one regulation not matching another. Um, so it, it truly is setting the stage and differentiating. You know, mm-hmm. we can talk about the vision and say we are starting with the product mm-hmm. that is suitable for 12 months plus. Mm-hmm. It, so currently the product is in market. Currently the product is in market. And then where can consumers buy it today? Yeah, uh, online. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of the biggest things that got me excited about doing subscription for this product too was that formula is one of the most predictable needed products on an ongoing that's basis right. once you start it and, and yet for I, a certain period of time that's right and yet i keep running out I that's don't right, know why. That's right. As, as like the guy i'm like oh how did i let this happen again and like that's the worst you need to change your broker i don't know, that's I know. Right. <laughs> they already have like the problem is with these like these funky websites like i know exactly how people are getting my credit card information because there's no way those things are secure oh yeah um, oh yeah ugh. And then, so from the is that the intention going forward? Is this have to be a, a direct to consumer brand or no? I think omni channel is crucial. Mm-hmm. Um, we're beginning to look at this. We got some great reactions from um, wholesale mm-hmm. uh, when we launched, and I think it's purely because when you do look at formula, there are very few options. Uh, and very few options that have a brand that people want to relate to. Yep. So um, wholesale is definitely going to happen. Uh, we've done a lot of insights groups that have indicated moms coming forward saying, I love the direct-to-consumer, but hey, one month my kid may take way more and then right. you mm-hmm. run out. And this is not a product that you can run out of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, yeah. I know. Yeah. You pick up that game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I know. What's the premium of the product? Over a conventional baby formula? Yeah, so we would kind of break it up into you have conventional being the formula or brands that have existed since the 50s. The Similax the and all Similax that. The Similax and yeah. the Infamils. Yeah. Um, and again, none of them are bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. We just need more options. No, it's no um, different than, you know, food. Gerber versus That's Plum right. or Happy Family or Once mm-hmm. Upon a Farm. Once upon, exactly, yeah. Uh, it's just evolving the different options and ingredients that are out there. So it's about 40% more than your conventional, and it's about 60% cheaper than importing on the black market. <laughs> there you go, Robin. <laughs> I'm not feeling so good right now. Stop, stop quote-unquote, importing. I know. Exactly. Okay. Um, but, I mean, that, that's what we did. We, yeah. You know, we noticed the importing. We said, well, if, if we're, as a company, able to do the importing in bulk mm-hmm. and be able to get this from the source mm-hmm. and be able to own that supply chain from Europe, um, then we get to reduce the cost for the end consumer. For sure. What I didn't realize was actually being sometimes caught in the middle, mm-hmm. especially in a world of regulation, is harder than being so far mm-hmm. on right. the wrong side. Right. So when... When you're so close. When you're so close. So definitely one of the biggest challenges as a business is... In a world of regulation, being careful not to be caught in the middle. Mm-hmm. And you really have to push it all the way to make sure that you are compliant with the way things work. And how have you funded the business to date? Yeah. Um, started off with, you know, some self-funding uh, mm-hmm. amongst our team. And uh, then we raised around last September uh, from some conventional uh, investors and a lot of angels. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've been very fortunate. The in the raise journey is exactly like everyone described <laughs> it. Uh, I made the mistake of raising during the summer, which mm-hmm. I was told is a huge no-no. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but you know, there's there was some there was some uh, uh, what's the right word uh, myths around raising that mm-hmm. that I went into, and I have to admit I was pleasantly surprised. I went into believing that it was going to take many months. Mm-hmm. I went into believing that raising as a woman was going to be harder. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, went in assuming that some investors are very myopic and, you know, it's it's one way, it's their way. And there was a lot of stories that crept up right. around what this journey would look like. Mm-hmm. And maybe that was a good thing that they were painting for me because <laughs> exactly. I came out the other side going, okay, you know, Yes, I may have gotten in front of many, many, many people, mm-hmm. but those that got it really got it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the support has just been phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And did you find those folks, because of your Airbnb background, were they typically more tech-oriented type backgrounds or CPG? Mostly tech. Yeah. Yeah, mostly tech to begin with. Um, and uh, I think now, since we've launched... It's, it's watching kind of a tech duo, um, my co-founder, again, who right. we worked with at Airbnb, take, you know, kind of our tech experience into the CPG world that now has CPG investors go, oh, okay, mm-hmm. and, you know, begin the conversation now for the next round. Do you, I mean, do you ultimately, do you, do you see your company as a CPG company or a tech company? Oh, great question. Um <laughs> I want to slightly say like neither, but mm-hmm. when when I when I say neither, it's in many ways I see it more as a community company, yeah. and and I say that because there will be elements of services that that we're playing with, and our biggest inspiration is looking back at the Mary Kay movements <laughs> of you know are mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. the Tupperware movements yeah. of the fifties. Interesting. Um, yeah. I. I think one of the biggest things we're missing as new parents is a sense of, you know, the the new village. And we are now living in a world where the village of, you know, history is not the same as it is today. Mm -hmm. And it's the responsibilities of companies. It's the responsibilities of new brands to be the village for the next generation of parents. So I hope that we can start playing a role in building out community a lot more and supporting it with products that that new parents need. Right after the break, we'll be back with this episode's featured guest, Laura Modi. Unfinished Biz is a VMG Partners production. Subscribe for free in your podcast app of choice and visit us at unfinishedbiz.com for easy access to all our past episodes. Plus, you can follow us on our Unfinished Biz LinkedIn page and we'll keep you in the loop on everything we're up to. But now, let's get back to the show with Bobby, co-founder and CEO, Laura Modi. As you kind of look back, I know it hasn't been too long yet, but has there been a bet the company moment yet? Yes. Um, (laughs) Finding our manufacturing partner. Mm. Uh, This was a massive, like, pendulum swing for me. I assumed, great, find a manufacturing partner. You know, who doesn't want to make infant formula? (laughs) Not many people, apparently. Um, High risk. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, it requires you to be in an FDA-vetted facility. And I didn't realize the minimum orders were going to be so big. Mm -hmm. So I went in a little bit naive to this. And it took about four times longer to find a manufacturing partner than I had expected. Mm -hmm. Um, And I essentially had to go to Europe for it. But I do remember the moment uh, my son was about three weeks old. 
we had gotten a call back from a manufacturing group we really wanted to work with in Europe. And I turned to my team, I was like, this is it. Like, you know, I, I feel really good about this. Mm-hmm. We're going to head out. Brought my son out and uh, two of our scientists. And we met with the group. It was led by a woman. Mm-hmm. And I just knew, okay, this is it. Like, this is going to be the moment that, you know, closes the deal for this company. Um, I think the other side of it, too, is if we didn't do it then, mm-hmm. we, we were <laughs> going way past our roadmap right. and we would need to reconsider how mm-hmm. we were approaching this. So it was one of those, like, you waited just long enough to find the right partner, right. but long enough that you weren't going to have to shift your strategy. Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, again, as, as Robin mentioned, it's been a short time. What's What's been the been the high point for you? Um, honestly, bringing on my co-founder has been one of the biggest. Mm-hmm. Uh I went into this for the first few months, uh, you know, alone uh, and bringing on a few folks onto the team, all exceptional. But there's something about uh, going on any journey where you really want to have that close person by your side. Sarah, uh, she's a soul sister. Mm -hmm. She is in every way the person I would follow to the end of the earth. And I kept getting feedback that says your co-founder and you should essentially have very complementary skills. So here I am coming from the tech space trying to think of like the food scientist I was trying to find (laughs) or, you know, the laboratory expert. I was like, you know, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. And everyone I worked closely with and that I had unbelievable trust with were also an operator. And uh, I got to the point, I was like, no, I want to have someone I do this day in and day out with that I could hand the keys to the business to and trust in every way. And the day she turned and she said, look, you don't have to explain the problem. I get it. I'm in. I'm all on board. Massive high. Mm-hmm. That's great. And, and you said you guys worked together at Airbnb? Airbnb for five years. Mm-hmm. And low point? I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to guess, but what's, what's been the low point? Yeah, you know, the FDA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the FDA. Yeah. Two weeks in, showing two, up. Two weeks in, showing up. Uh, and we are looking at the silver lining of this in every way, which is now we've turned and we say, you know what? There is no other startup who has this much experience in regulation. <laughs> yep. That's we, the way. That's glass half full to look at it. It mm-hmm. is. Yep. Um, and, you know, someone said to us recently, you know, in many ways, you're clearly on to something if the FDA is paying this much attention yeah, to you. That's true. And, you know, work with them because mm-hmm. that partnership is going to hold to you for the long haul. Mm-hmm. That's right. I mean, similarly, when we, sometimes we talk to our brands and, and our, our entrepreneur partners, they, you know, there, there tends to be an upsetting day when someone knocks off their product. Because again, you know, these type of products, you know, the, mm-hmm. there's some derivation that people can create and it's always an upsetting day. And, you know, I think one thing that Rob and I always talk with our entrepreneur partners is that, you know, it's a real compliment actually. That means that we're really, really <laughs> on to something, something right. you know, particularly if it's a large CPG company that decided to knock it off. You're like, well, you've officially made, congratulations. Yeah. You're on their radar you're on the screen. You're on yeah. the map They're They decided to knock off your product. It's so and, true. Uh, and you, so. you guys come from, you know, the CPG world coming from the tech space. There is, there's bugs all the time. Things break, mm-hmm. you know, products that don't work and they throw them out. And being in the CPG space, that that ability to just take risks and try things out, and it's not there as much. No. Um, Especially not in 
in well, this category. It's That's definitely right. not yeah. in this category, and <laughs> yeah. it shouldn't be. No. You know, yeah. right. Take, taking risks or anything kind of on the safety line, it should be safety first, mm-hmm. always. And just watching the level of diligence and time that needs to be put into this space is, is massive, mm-hmm. especially in comparison to tech. So what's keeping you up at night these days? My children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely my kids. Yeah, they're, they're terrors. <laughs> it's keeping Robin up at night, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, from, from a business perspective, I think, you know, there's definitely, there's definitely nights you wake up and you're, like, having, like, a mini heart attack. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, God, oh, God. How is the next, like, few months going to look? Or is something slightly changed? And the only thing that gives me kind of the confidence to go back to sleep is, like, Laura, no one else is staying up thinking about this right now. You're the only one. Nobody is going to bed thinking about you right now. Mm-hmm. And it's it's both uh, it's both refreshing to know that everyone has a million other things going on. Yeah. I, I just need to keep reminding myself right. that I trust in myself. We have the right confidence. We can push forward. But no, I, I answer your question, just kids. Robin, you're clearly a member now. I think you have an official member's card of the baby (laughs) formula black market. I had no idea this even existed. I have three kids. I know. You know what? We learned about it from our pediatrician, and then I started seeing it a bunch in friends' homes. I mean... How do you see it in friends' homes? Is it labeled black market baby formula? Exactly. No, it's it's because so much of this stuff is actually foreign, you walk into other people's houses and you're like, oh, I've got a box of this, you know, German-labeled baby food as well. And so that's kind of, that's the way I see it. But it is odd because you think about it and you're like, you're feeding your baby unregulated or at least regulated in a different country, baby food. Regulators, mount up. (laughs) So part of my idea, which got shut down by our producer, was to do this entire section to the tune of regulators. We're not talented enough to do that, no. Oh, well, (laughs) in all seriousness, you know, it's interesting that two weeks in, they essentially got shut down by the FDA. We've never seen that in, mm-hmm. our, I think, our decade plus of, uh, in the industry. No. Um, and the fix is tw- have to label their product as 12-plus month infant formula. I mean, that's just not ideal. Yeah, I mean, it really does highlight why it's been so hard to actually shake up this particular industry. You know, it does feel very worthwhile, and we are rooting her on, uh, but it is a big challenge. Given these obstacles, you know, makes a lot of sense that Laura doesn't have much free time. I used to read so much (laughs) and, you know, kind of going from reading, being, you know, a non-parent to now, the only things I consume are... Dr. Seuss? Dr. Dr. Seuss, yes. The (laughs) nighttime stories. Oh, I could could list off Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss at night uh, and then mommy blogs, you know, whenever possible. Part of our mom groups is just sharing articles after articles. And sometimes it's scaremongering. And other times, you know, it just gives you a sense of confidence you're doing things right. right. But uh, yeah, a lot of mommy reading. Well, it's game time. Oh. Signature game, rapid fire. She tried to read the questions before we walked in the room. <laughs> so you're officially the first one's ever tried to cheat on the game. Oh. <laughs> Just kidding. So. Let's see how I do. Yeah. I feel All right. competitive you're, in this. You ready? Go. What's your guilty pleasure? Playing dice. Oh, really? Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Top of your bucket list? Having a few more children. I'm sorry, husband. <laughs> <laughs> Would you rather be able to speak to any animal or speak in any foreign language? I'll speak to an animal. Mm. Favorite book? Shantaram. 
Uh, if you could meet any historical figure, who would it be? Michael Collins, an Irish rebel. Morning person or night owl? Night owl. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Oh, that's such a good question. Fly. Read a book or watch a movie? Read a book. Do you go for high five or fist bump? High five. If you could eat only one type of food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Cereal. <laughs> What's your favorite consumer brand that's not your own? Rothy's. As a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, an athlete. Who is your celebrity crush? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Who is my celebrity crush? Oh, Jimmy Kimmel. Favorite way to unwind after a long day? Uh, with my kids. Any pet peeves? Yeah, so many. Um, playing the martyr. Your first job? Lifeguard. Last concert you went to? Definitely a punk show, Rancid. <laughs> Prefer to listen to podcasts or music? Podcasts. Favorite vacation? <laughs> All right, last question. What advice do you have for aspiring entrepreneurs? Advice I have for aspiring entrepreneurs? Um, I, and I, I'm hanging on the word aspiring here. Mm-hmm. And... One of the things that I look back on now is the opportunity to learn before you become an entrepreneur. You are surrounded in any work opportunity or whether you're in university or no matter where you are, around so many different people. Mm-hmm. And the moment you are in that entrepreneur seat, you are focused on your next move 24-7. Mm-hmm. And yeah, my advice would be consume and learn from as many people as possible. If I could rewind, it would be tapping the brains and minds of people outside of my inner circle mm-hmm. and and preparing for what it's going to be because it's definitely going to be a roller coaster. That's great advice. Laura, well, thanks for joining us on Unfinished Biz. Thank you. Thanks. You've been listening to Unfinished Biz. I'm Wayne. And I'm Robin. We'll be back on the next episode with Kat Nori founder and CEO of Stasher, a line of reusable, airtight silicone bags. They're strong enough for storage, freezing, even high-temperature cooking. Sous vide. And beneficial to the planet by replacing single-use plastics that pollute oceans and pile up in landfills. From a young age, Kat learned health consciousness from both her parents. But as an entrepreneur, she felt compelled to take that a few world-saving steps further. You know, I'm using Ziplocs every day and, you know, bags that are resealable. And I'm like, how can I, like, make some? This is so cool. Like, how can I make my product into this? That's next time on Unfinished Biz. Unfinished Biz is a VMG Partners production. You can subscribe to our show for free in any podcast app of your choice. Send us questions, comments, and feedback on Twitter at unfin underscore biz and visit us at unfinishedbiz.com. These are the opinions of Robin and Wayne and our guest entrepreneur and are not necessarily the opinions and thoughts of VMG partners. And now a word from our lawyers. This is not an offer to buy or sell any investments. Entrepreneurs interviewed on this podcast may not be associated with VMG businesses and discussions of their companies should not be viewed as an endorsement by VMG. 